Fawn has officially been added to the growing list of polyvagal theory mixed states. I'll explain what fawning is and how the theory interprets it to deepen your understanding of the polyvagal theory. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a therapist, coach, and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to live with more calm, confidence, and connection without the psychobabble. So yeah, the polyvagal theory has three brand new additions to the mixed states. We have appeasement, which I covered in the last episode of Stuck Not Broken, fawn, which I'll be talking about in this one, and intimacy, which I'll talk about in the next episode. Sadly, though, in the new book, Our Polyvagal World, there really is not much information on this at all. They have maybe two pages. I think it's more like one, but maybe two pages, uh, which is not just on fawn, but it's on fawn and appeasement. And they don't really talk about fawn in much detail whatsoever. It's really only like a solid couple of lines where they really try to explain how it's different than appeasement. And I'm not going to quote it because I have the advanced copy and I don't know if it has changed since, uh, well, once it comes out, I don't know if the quotes would still be relevant or the exactly the same. So I, I, I'm not going to quote it. Plus the advanced copy says don't quote it for publication. So, uh, I'm not going to do that, but there's not much there as of right now. There's not much there. Oh, by the way, I do overall recommend the book as of right now, I'll do a book review on that in the near future, but just so you know, yeah, it's, I think it's a good read and it's worth buying. And I'll have a link in the description for you. Again, review is coming soon. So fawn is not the same as appeasement, at least through the lens of the polyvagal theory. As I was researching fawn, it is confused with, or it is lumped together with appeasement and maybe they belong together. I think you can make an argument there. Maybe it's not uh, super important to distinguish the two, but Porges uh, believes, or at least him and his son, Seth, who co-wrote the book, actually wrote the book, and then Dr. Porges gave it his stamp of approval. At least Seth and Dr. Porges believe that they deserve to be distinguished. And actually, Dr. Porges, in the in a paper on appeasement and Stockholm Syndrome, I believe separated the two as well. So for all intents and purposes, according to the polyvagal theory, fawn and appeasement should be distinct. I'm going to, we'll just leave it at that for now. Appeasement, as I mentioned last time, involves the activation of all the polyvagal states and is kind of a, I believe what they called it was a super social engagement or a super co-regulation with the, uh, the evolutionary intent of de-escalating or avoiding a life-threatening situation. For us humans, this uh, would pop up most extremely in like a hostage situation or a domestic violence one. In appeasement, the appeaser is joining with their abuser or their captor. They are really aligning their values with their captors. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that because I talked about it last episode. So go listen to that one if you want to deeper dive into that. We are here for Fawn though. Uh, Fawn is very similar. I would argue with also the intention of de-escalation or reducing the potential of life threat. But instead of through a pseudo-co-regulation, now it's through compliance. Instead of through the quote-unquote super-social engagement, now it's through compliance. So it's not co-regulative appeasement. To me, as I'm understanding this, it's more about invisibility, hiding, uh, be, existing in a very uh, numb state, I think, and subservience. 
fawning is about surrendering your values and your agency in compliance to the dominant other that is really um, controlling the situation, dominating the situation. Fawning is about quietly attempting to please that other person uh, in order to extend those moments of de-escalation. It's a very, I think, very preventative kind of thing. Fawning involves preemptively anticipating their needs and really not trying to rock the boat. Although that individual is already in the situation that is extreme and and, uh, potentially a life threat. This is very similar to appeasement. The potential evolutionary intent of fawning is that the predator, or in our case, the abductor, the or abuser, but the predator might lose interest. So if their prey, or if the captive, or the victim of the domestic violence uh, situation, if they can't anticipate the needs of the other and preemptively meet their needs or keep things at a, at a calmer level by surrendering their own values and empowerment, then the predator might lose interest in them. They might not see them as a threat whatsoever, and it might reduce the defensive activation or the aggressive activation, the bullying or the abusive kind of activation. Although when I talked to Dr. Portis in my interview with him a couple episodes ago, he did say that fawning may lead to increased risk. And he, he mentioned specifically murder, and he said something uh, something about things being more potentially severe. So that kind of makes me wonder, does the predator then, in the face of the fawning, potentially amplify, does their state get amplified, thus worsening the situation? So maybe their state, as it raises and boils over into a rage, it's going it has to be targeted toward, it doesn't have to be, but their behavioral adaptation is to target it towards somebody, someone that they can inflict their dominance on. So even though the fawner may successfully preemptively keep things at a minimum as far as risk, eventually for that dominant abusive captor, they eventually that that stuck state doesn't really go anywhere. Maybe it's, you know, simmered down enough to get through the day and get their needs met as far as the fawner but the dominant individual in the situation, their stuck state that I, I would I would intis- I would guess that intense uh, hidden frozen explosive rage doesn't go anywhere. It, it's still there. So as it boils over, eventually it does get directed toward the person who is in more of a fawn state, as best I can tell, or as best I'm understanding it. That boiled over rage ends up reinforcing the to the person who's in a fawn state that they need to stay in a fawn mixed state. They need to stay compliant. They cannot escape. They must continually be subservient or submissive to the other, the dominant one in this relationship. The biggest difference between fawning and appeasement might be that the person who's fawning as I'm understanding, it doesn't necessarily need to provide cues of safety. If anything, in these types of relationships, the person fawning probably needs to give no cues of safety or flight fight. They simply need to be hidden, invisible, subservient. They must relinquish all of themselves to the other person in order for that person, the dominant one, to not explode in rage. I imagine that 
if the fawning person did anything that was out of line of that relationship, that it would potentially trigger that explosive rage in the other person. So any attempts to get out of the situation, any attempts to rationalize, talk to the person, co-regulate, actually may trigger that other person into releasing the rage, that explosive rage. In the relationships with appeasement, the dominant other one seems to, the, the appeasement seems to work. So the appeaser seems to be able to provide cues of safety and not trigger the wrath of the other person. So in a, a fawning relationship, it seems like that shutdown, hiding, invisible kind of a flavor and preemptively meeting the needs of the other one. That, as I'm understanding it, that seems to be the role of, of someone who's in a fawn mixed state. But anyhow, I think that's kind of maybe what Porter's meant when he said that it might lead to increased risk, like murder. Being in a fawn mixed state means that there is a heavy level of enmeshment with the other person's emotions and really being able, unable to distinguish the self from the other person. Being in a fawn state is going to have a heavy dose of numbness and dissociation. They're going to be doing lots of self-sacrifice to try to fix the problems of the other person, to blame themselves, denying their own needs. I look at this as pleasing versus appeasing. Appeasing, like we said in the last episode, is about joining with the other, like a captive who's assisting their captor with committing crimes, maybe, or evading authorities, and also providing, you know, cues of connection. Whereas with this pleasing of fawning, this is more about tending to the needs of the dominant other and overly accommodating them and what they need or will need at the expense of the self. I kept reading that fawning probably has a lot to do with a history of childhood rejection, shame, neglect, and more. Uh, different types of abuse, basically. But it probably has a lot or is very much connected to CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. A heavy association with that and with uh, relational trauma, interpersonal trauma. You may remember from my Polyvagal 101 series that there are two paths of trauma. One of those is the acute life threat reaction where you go through a thing that you survive and are left in a stuck defensive state. The other path of trauma really fits in more with the with fawning, which is the uh, chronic disruption of connectedness. And that would be more connected with CPTSD, in my opinion. This is definitely going to re result in a chronic defensive state. This could be really any chronic defensive state. Uh, the CPTSD in, in particular, I'll talk about fawn separately. But CPTSD results from the impulse to connect chronically or consistently being cut off. Not only cut off, but rejected and shamed as well. So that person's connection impulse is never completed. They don't ever actually get a healthy attachment with a safe other, which is unbelievably important for our foundations in life to be able to identify safety in others, but also within ourselves as well. Having a safe other is the foundation that we use to build self-regulation and to provide co-regulation to others in the future. So what then are the states of fawn since fawn is now a mixed state? In the book, it pretty much just says that it's flight, fight, and shutdown. I'm understanding this as the flight, fight state would be used for mobilization. But in this context, the person's not mobilizing to escape or be aggressive. Instead, they're using that mobilization through hypervigilance 
and they're using that mobilization in order to meet the needs of the other person. But there's also, obviously, I think obviously, a heavy amount of shutdown when it comes to Fawn. The dissociation, the surrendering, the relinquishing of the self and one's power definitely comes from shutdown. So why would somebody fawn? Why would they stay in an abusive relationship? I think it's a common question. So let's bring this back to what our biological imperative is, or maybe one of our biological imperatives, and that is to find safety. Because being in our safety state is what allows us to optimize our resources for health and growth and restoration. So our bodies are compelled to find homeostasis, to find safety, to self-regulate. But also, yes, to receive co-regulation and give co-regulation as well. So the biological imperative is to find safety. I think these fawning relationships don't really provide real safety, obviously. But there might be moments of feeling something like safety. There may be moments uh, in between explosive rage episodes where it feels like connection or a pseudo connection or close enough to connection. It may feel like protection. It may feel like or may, may be predictable. Just like with uh, appeasement, again, the, the goal is always safety to, to find connection. And appeasement brings kind of safety. It's not ob- you know actual safety, obviously. But it is some level of connection, and that might do enough for the body to be able to reach some level of homeostasis and still use uh, resources for health and growth and restoration, at least enough. So with fawning, it's like a pseudo-safety, not actual safety, obviously. There, there is a level of diminished threat, and there probably is some level of predictability, and predictability in and of itself is kind of a, a cue of safety. But no, it's not actual safety. So that's fawning, and that's kind of how it could fit into the polyvagal theory. I have my questions, I have my doubts, and uh, I'm going to try to flesh those out in an episode for you next, and then I will go into intimacy. But for now, that's that's it. That That's fawning through the lens of the polyvagal theory. I think it connects to flight, fight, and shutdown. I think shutdown especially, I think that's a huge part of this. And it also connects to the second path of trauma, which is the chronic disruption of connectedness that leaves somebody in a stuck defensive state. And when it comes to fawning, it's going to be more of that. I think, I think more of the shutdown stuck defensive state with some access to flight and fight. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of stuck, not broken being stuck can show up in many different ways, not just fawning, but also anxiety and anger and depression, overwhelm, panic, fear, uh, and more. You're, you're probably well aware of this, and I, I don't need to tell you, I know. So if you're ready to take the next steps on getting unstuck for yourself without spending a ton of money, I invite you to consider subscribing to Stuck Not Broken Total Access. You will gain exclusive access to the knowledge that you need through my polyvagal trauma relief system. You'll also have the option of connecting with others and spending more time with me in the community, plus a bunch of other stuff if you want to go even deeper into your unstucking process. I'll put a link in the description for you to learn more about Stuck Not Broken Total Access. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, and I look forward to welcoming you as a member of my Total Access community. I, of course, have a nifty gifty for you when you sign up for my email list experience. Since we're talking about the polyvagal theory and some foundational pieces of knowledge here, uh, I have an ebook for you that connects the polyvagal theory to trauma. It is a full ebook, not just like a little brochure or pamphlet. 
It's a full-on uh, ebook that you can download and read at your leisure with a cup of coffee or tea and a blanket. Just sign up for my email list. I'll have a link for you in the description to that ebook. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode has been a helpful resource for you in learning about and applying the polyvagal theory to your trauma recovery process.